Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Matthew's gospel, the 28th chapter, the account of the resurrection. God's word from Matthew's gospel will serve as the basis for our sermon message this morning. It's out of respect for the words and the work of what Jesus did that we remain standing for the reading of the gospel. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Well, happy Easter once again, all of you who are here this morning, friends who are joining us online for worship, or maybe listening to this sermon podcast sometime after Easter. What are you afraid of? Now, I wanna begin our sermon message this morning by asking you to seriously wrestle with that question. But I also wanna begin by admitting that the question afraid of, that might seem a little bit out of place on Easter morning. I mean, after all, Easter elicits many emotions, but fear? It's probably not one of them, or at least not the primary one. Excitement on Easter? Yes, we are excited to celebrate Easter, to join together in worship and singing, and yes, Easter brunches and Easter egg hunts. We're excited. Enthusiastic about Easter? Yes, of course. God's people gathering together to celebrate the culminating act of God's salvation plan. We're enthusiastic about that. Maybe second only to Christmas. Exhausted on Easter. 
Parents are like, yes. Staff, volunteers, maybe tired. There's a lot that goes into planning and getting ready for Easter, whatever your celebrations and traditions are. But overall, the vibe on Easter, it's good. It's a celebration. Christ has given us the victory. The enemy has been defeated. Sin and death have been defeated. And Christ has given us the victory over all that in the form of faith and forgiveness and love and hope. And so why, on Easter morning, ask you about your fears? It's because, did you catch it? Fear is the very first emotion experienced by the very first people who experienced the very first Easter. Guards were assigned to watch over the tomb and make sure no one came to steal Jesus' body. And what happened? Like lightning out of heaven, an angel comes down, rolls away the stone, sits on top of it in a victorious stance, and the guards... They're shook. Verse four, the guards were so afraid of the angel that they shook and became like dead men. What does it mean to be so afraid you're like dead men? Except they're petrified. They're paralyzed by fear. The women too. They come to the tomb at dawn. The only thing they wanted to do was anoint their Jesus' body for burial. The only question that they could bring up was, who's going to roll away the tombstone? The only thing that was in their heart was grief, disappointment. But soon, those emotions are overcome by fear because they see an angel just sitting there bright as snow. And what does he say? What does he say to the first believing women there? Verse five, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. So why bring up fear? It's because fear was the very first emotion experienced on the very first Easter, the very first people who were there. So what are you afraid of. On this Easter, it makes sense to wrestle with your fears. What keeps you up at night? You think about the excitement, the enthusiasm of Easter. After it fades and we get into this week, our regular routines, what fears will you face? I'm asking this not just so that we sit with our fears, but so that we know what to do with them. We know how to respond to them. Because there really is two ways to react or respond to fear, and you get both of them right here in Matthew chapter 28. First, we could be like the guards, paralyzed, paralyzed by fear. And we know that happens. 
Psychologically, people are stopped by fears. People can't make decisions. People can't do the things that they want to do. Physically, there are a number of ill symptoms that occur when people chronically deal with fear. At its very worst level, sometimes fear keeps people from even leaving the house, being a part of communities that they love, investing in relationships that they cherish. No, fear, fear like it did the guards, can paralyze us. It, it can stop us. Or it cannot. The second, the other alternative to fear is that something greater silences our fears. Like the women. Verse five. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women, they hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. Think about that. The women, those believing women on Easter, they left the tomb still very much afraid. And yet, filled with joy. Literally, in the Greek, it says, fear, but great joy. There was something greater that overcame their fears. What was it? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Friends, this is why Easter matters. It's because fears will persist throughout our lives. And yet something greater has silenced those fears. Jesus has risen, and that means a joy has risen in our hearts and in our lives that silences all your fears. Christ is risen, and he has risen to silence all your fears. I know, it probably seems a little odd to talk about what you're afraid of on such a wonderful, beautiful Easter morning. And yet, what your God wants you to know and hear and believe is this. It's the same joy-inducing good news message that those women heard and believed on that very first Easter morning. Christ is risen. He lives. And that means that he lives to silence all your fears. So what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Matthew chapter 28 is where we're going to look this morning to see how indeed Christ silences all your fears. But here's our situation. We can't unpack all of our fears this morning. Or we're going to miss Easter brunch. So what we're going to do is look at three. Three of the most common fears that people do face. The fear of mortality or death. The fear of judgment. And thirdly, the fear of the future. We start with the fear of death. There's a reason that so many people look at death or, or try not to think about death. It's because there's a certain 
finality to it. In the normal realm of moral existence, dead is dead. It is done. There's nothing, there's nothing more after it. When someone dies, it ends hopes and dashes dreams. When someone dies, it, it leaves surviving loved ones with only tears and grief and sadness. Well, that was until two words were spoken. Did you hear them? The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. The angel spoke those two most amazing words. Jesus was definitely dead. He was crucified, but he is not. He is not dead any longer. He has risen, and he has risen just as he said. I mean, that changes our relationship with death and mortality forever. The angel had to say it. <laughs> this is just as he said. I mean, it seemed to surprise a lot of people that Jesus wasn't in the grave on Easter morning, but Jesus called it. I mean, he called his shot several times, but this wasn't the angel looking and going, I told you so, Jesus told you so. No, this is vindication of everything that Jesus said or did throughout his life. This is confirmation that everything that Jesus said is true. This is confirmation that the entirety of the Christian faith is good and true. Because if Jesus could lay down his life and then pick it up just as he said, he will most certainly have no difficulty doing everything else that he said, including raising your body from the dead. If you're following along with our fill-in-the-blanks, this is the first one. All of our, our fill-in-the-blanks are taken from our opening hymn, I Know That My Redeemer Lives, and He Lives, and I Shall Conquer Death. Jesus lives, and I shall conquer death. Jesus overcomes our fear of death, and He does it in this way, with His promises, with His words, that because I live, you too will live. Jesus, I said, forever changes our relationship with death because now the realm of death, it's no longer a place of darkness and fear, but it's a place of promises fulfilled. The tomb is a place of victory for those who look and believe in Christ. It's a place of joy, a place where joy, it overcomes our fears. That's easier said than done, right? This past week, it was actually Tuesday morning, a good friend of mine called, someone who has been my friend for over 20 years now. And just like that, we picked up talking about friends, family, how they're all doing. And we talked about two of our family members, one on for each of us, who is suffering from Alzheimer's and dementia. And I knew I was preaching on Easter. And I knew what I was preaching about on Easter. That Christ lives, and because he lives, I too shall conquer death. 
And so I told my friend, I said, as a Christian, I know that eternal life is mine. I know that death is not the final place for us. I said, can I tell you something? I am terrified of dementia. It's scary. I asked you at the beginning what you're afraid of. And I don't know if it's, if it's something like a disease or an illness. But the reality for Christians this side of heaven is that there are a lot of things that frighten us, things that lead to death. And while we might look at death and say, I'm not afraid because I know that my Redeemer lives, what joy is in this sweet sentence, I'm afraid of that stuff. So what do we say? I'll tell you what my friend said. After empathizing with me and relating to the fear that I had, he said, Matt, I'm going to tell you something. And well, it might sound surprising, but you know this. Our goal is not to live in comfort. Our goal is not to live in comfort. But our goal is to live in the comfort of the hope of eternal life. And our goal is to share that comfort. And then he went on to share that with me. Where do you get a message like that? Where do you get a joy and a perspective like that? Where do you get a joy like that that looks at very frightening things in the face and says, there's something greater that silences that? Friends, it's only at Easter. This is why Easter matters. This is why the gospel matters. Because in the gospel, God has revealed a mystery to us. The mystery is this, that though our bodies are corruptible, and there are a lot of things that break them down and corrupt them throughout the life, and we might look at that and be afraid, we can be afraid and yet still be filled with joy because Christ promised, though corruptible, it will be raised, your body incorruptible. Though it is mortal, it will be raised in immortality. And we can explain, exclaim with the scriptures, so where death is your sting? Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Thanks be to Christ, he gives us that victory. He lives, and that means that I, too, you too, shall conquer death. Here's the second fear. It's one that relates more to life than death. Perhaps often people might contemplate their mortality from time to time, but not as often as people live with the fear of judgment, the fear of guilt. You notice who wasn't there at the resurrection, didn't you? I mean, shoot, they're not even there at the resurrection or go back a chapter to Matthew 27. They're not even there at the crucifixion. It's the 12 dudes that hung out with Jesus for three straight years. It's the guys who three days before Jesus would rise from the dead, when Jesus said, look, one of you is gonna betray me, they said, oh, not not me, surely not me, Lord. And then they left him hanging, literally, on the cross. They left him. It's Jesus' disciples. Think about that. You think about what Jesus could have felt 
about them. It would make perfect sense if Jesus rose from the dead and then said to the two Marys, hey, you go tell that whole lot of Benedict Arnold's that I'm back. You go tell those deserters I'm here and I have something to tell them. We'd get it. Similarly, well, let's not throw the disciples under the bus. Let's make it personal. As people who, who sin, desert our Savior, I mean, we should be afraid. Fear might as well have been our reaction to the resurrection. We think to ourselves, yeah, it was my sin that put my Savior on the cross. It was my ingratitude that caused him suffering. It was my indifference to his word and spiritual matters that put him to death and made him pay the punishment for my sins. And now he's alive? Shoot, I better watch out. But what does Jesus say on this most monumental morning to his disciples and deserters both then and now? For the very first time, Jesus calls his disciples and you and me family, brothers. Jesus said to the women, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The living son of God, he made full payment for our sins. Why? So he could call you sisters and brothers. So that you and me could be reconciled, made right with our heavenly father. So that our heavenly father would take the payment for sin, look at it and accept it and say, it's done. These people are no longer deserters. They are mine. Jesus made this payment so that you and me would have the same father that he had. We would have the same blessings that he had. We would have the same inheritance that he has. He made that promise. He made that good on that promise so that we would share in the same forgiveness and the hope of eternity and never have to fear judgment. Here's our next fill in the blank, that Christ lives and he lives to bless me with his love. Christ doesn't live to judge you. He doesn't live to guilt you, to shame you, to blame you, or to get you to make up for all of the bad things that you've done. No, Christ lives and he lives to bless you with his love and forgiveness and peace. You know what the number one fear is that people cite as their top fear? It's a fear of public speaking. And depending on who you ask, some 25 to 40% of Americans suffer from that fear. But there's a different fear that sits behind that. The National Institute of Mental Health says it's not that really people are afraid of, of talking in front of others. The real fear behind public speaking is that people are afraid of judgment. They're afraid that they're going to say something that someone's not going to like or something wrong and everyone's going to evaluate them and they're going to be shamed or they're going to be found guilty of, of something. That's really what people fear. And Look, you don't have to love public speaking. It, it doesn't have to be everyone's cup of tea. 
But the reality is, far too many people, far too many Christians live with a crippling, paralyzing sense of judgment, sense of guilt. That I'm not good enough, that people judge me, that, that, that God's not happy with me. But this is why Easter matters. Because Christ is risen and Christ lives and he lives to bless you with his love. Think about this. If, if Christ Jesus no longer judges you, what judgment do you have to fear from anyone else? If Christ looks at you and he has given you the declaration that you are not guilty, if he has evaluated you and he has looked at you and evaluated you, not on your past, but on what his son has done, and he says, you know what? Now they're my sons. Now they're my daughters. What evaluation of anybody else do we have to fear? No, no, no. Certainly, we're going to keep doing things wrong. And pangs of conscience, those are good, Right? It's godly to recognize when we do wrong things and, and look to Christ, but we don't have to look to him in fear of judgment. We don't have to wallow in our guilt or our shame or our blame, but we look and we know that he lives to bless us with his love. That joy, that joy of forgiveness is greater than any fear of judgment. Here's the third fear. One more time, verse five. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. I'm kind of fascinated about how the women left the empty tomb. They hurried away. They ran away. And it's not just that their feet were running. Can you imagine their minds racing as well? Jesus is not here. Jesus is risen, and he's, he's met us now. Okay, he's going to go ahead and do us Galilee. How, how's Jesus going to get there? And what are the disciples going to say when we get there and tell them what Jesus told us to say to them? And yet they ran. They just went. They weren't so afraid where they're like, oh, we're not going. I'm paralyzed and petrified. No, they hurried. A third fear is the fear of the future. And far often, far too often, we fear the future because we fear what we don't know. We fear the future because we fear what we can't control. And yet, there's a very calming detail that I, I don't want to get lost this morning. Verse 7. The angel said, Jesus has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. Jesus is going ahead of you. Jesus is going ahead of you. Jesus is going ahead of you into your future, into your own personal Galilees, wherever that may be. Jesus lives, and he lives to calm your troubled heart. That's our third and our final fill-in-the-blank, that Jesus lives, and he lives to calm your troubled heart. 
wherever you go, wherever you will be, wherever you may have been in life and are going in life, Christ Jesus has gone into every nook and cranny of your life, and he is there with you throughout it. I wish we could read the entire chapter of Matthew 28 this morning and hear Jesus' sweet parting promise he said with his last words to his disciples. He said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is the Savior that you have. He has risen. And he has not just risen in terms of like his memory lives on. He has not just risen in terms of like, yeah, he's taught some really cool stuff and his teachings live on. No, really, truly, Christ physically rose from the dead. He is your savior who reigns on high and he has promised that he will be with you wherever you go. He has promised to always be with you in his omnipresence. He has promised to always be with you in his words and his promise, in his sacraments, his supper and his baptism. I will always be with you. That is the savior that you have. What are our fears? Fears of of future wars, fears of illness or death for ourselves or family, financial fears, personal or whole economic collapse, more personal anxieties. Whatever you're put it on the map and, and not to just sit there with it, but to know that Jesus goes ahead of you into that Galilee, into that fear, into that future, and he goes with you living to calm your troubled heart. Really, he already has. He's there. Fears yet filled with joy. Fears will remain in life. Fears will remain for people, even people who have been greeted by their risen Savior. Fears will remain, and yet fear will never remain alone. Something greater has silenced our fears. The only question now is, what do you do with it when you have fears? The world says you, you, you got three options. You can, perhaps first, you can confront them, expose yourself to your fears. And that might work with spiders or snakes, right? You can expose yourself long enough where you don't fear it anymore. But confronting your future? Well, you can't do that. There's a decades-long study that says fear is actually good for us. We should learn to embrace our fears. But embrace guilt and judgment? How's that good for you? Scripture says that's not. <laughs> There's a really popular TED Talk. It's, it's about fear setting. People should not so much go about goal setting. They should do fear setting. You know, define your fears. Put them down and rationalize your way through them. I can rationalize my fear of public speaking. Okay, it's Easter. I don't think people are going to throw things at me today. But there's some fears that you just can't rationalize. They're going to happen. The future death. So what do you do with fears? What if we don't confront our fears, embrace them, or go about fear setting? What if we did something different? What if we did an exercise called fear letting? We let go of our fears, but not just anywhere. We let them go at the feet of Jesus, just like the women did. And then we worshiped. Verse 8, 
So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Did you know that the number one fear, excuse me, I gave it away, the number one, number one command given throughout scripture is just that, don't be afraid. But God doesn't give you that command and just expect that you figure it out. You know, you confront it, you expose yourself to it, you define it, just don't be afraid. No, he tells you how not to be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm giving you my promise. You will see me. Friends, that happens every time we worship. That Jesus, he, he comes to greet us. He comes to find us. He comes to find us and Jesus accepts our still fear, still feared worship. And he takes all of our fears from us. And as we hold on to him and, and he holds on to us and him and his words and his promises, he doesn't just look at us and say, stop it, stop being afraid. No, with that command, he gives a promise. You will see me. Don't be afraid. You will see me. Don't be afraid. You will see Jesus. So here's my invitation to you. Whether you're skeptical about the resurrection or this is the most special of days, whether this is your first or your 400th time worshiping with us, my invitation to you is this. Over the next six weeks in our Easter series called He Lives, I want to invite you to come to worship. You might think that is the most pastor thing to do to a group of people on Easter. But hear me out. Don't just come to worship. What if we were to worship the way the women did? You brought your fears in hand. And then you let them go. You let them go at the feet of Jesus. What you would see is that the heart of this church and the heart of this church's worship is the heart of your Savior, a Savior who lives, a Savior who lives, and that means you will conquer death, a Savior who has gone ahead of you into your personal Galilees, and he lives to calm your troubled heart, a Savior who lives, and he lives to bless you with his love. Oh, what sweet joy this sentence gives. I know that my Redeemer lives, and he lives to silence all your fears. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Would you please stand for prayer? Heavenly Father, with fearful hearts, we come before you. We come before you with all of our fears, fears that we can know and define full well and fears in our hearts that are hard to express. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and before you and your Son, we let go of our fears, knowing that you live, that you live and have silenced all of our fears, that the message that Christ lives is one that matters and is one that matters of first importance. Forgive us for all the times where we don't do that, we don't do that in our own lives and therefore are paralyzed by fear. Heavenly Father, 
by your spirit, remind us of this good news, this good Easter news again and again, that we need not fear because we will see you, that you go ahead of us and you go ahead of us not to judge us or condemn us, but to call us your brothers and your sisters. You have gone ahead of us into every area of our life. You have gone ahead of us into eternal life and there you prepare a place for us. Lord God, by your spirit, comfort our hearts so that we do not fear, but we go and tell others about the hope and the peace that we have in you, our Savior, who lives and reigns. Amen. <laughs>